Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus knows his own and his own know him. Of all the things that we could teach our children, here at St. Paul's, that's the very first thing we teach them. Not the creation story, not the golden rule, but the story of the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. Our children's program takes the good shepherd for its name, Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, because this story, this idea, is at the heart of everything we want our children to know. From their very first day in Sunday school, the children will hear that Jesus is the good shepherd, that Jesus knows them, knows their name, that they will know him too and recognize his voice. That Jesus will go before them in and out of the sheepfold. That when danger comes, the good shepherd will lay down his life in order to keep them safe. Jesus is the good shepherd. One thing we don't teach our children, at least not directly, is how incredibly beautifully strange that is. Preachers love to talk about how unusual it is for us to call our God a shepherd, the holy, magnificent deity, a smelly, humble shepherd. But actually, that's not the unusual part. There are lots of Near Eastern religions and cultures that talk about their deities and their heroes as if they're shepherds. Anubis, Addis. Yima, Zarathustra, Marduk, the Phrygian god, Agamemnon, Apollonius of Tyana, they all are likened to shepherds, which makes sense. Sheep were an important part of the economy in the ancient Near East, still are. And shepherds are pretty important to sheep. So if you want to talk about a god who cares for God's people, why wouldn't you describe God as if God were a shepherd? That's not the unusual part. But what is surprising, what should probably shock us to hear it, is that Jesus calls the good shepherd one who would lay down his life for the sheep. What good is a dead shepherd? In fact, a shepherd who dies while doing his job isn't very good at his job after all, is he? In the Jewish tradition, the Bible is full of exemplary shepherds, but none of them dies in the line of duty. As we heard in the 23rd Psalm, God is our shepherd. God shepherds us through the valley of the shadow of death. Moses, if you remember, learned how to shepherd God's people by being a shepherd for his father-in-law's flock. David recalls that as a young shepherd, he would chase down lions and bears and kill them with his bare hands in order to rescue the sheep that they had stolen. Ezekiel, the prophet, envisions the day when the true shepherd will come and gather together the scattered flock of Israel, but none of them dies while doing it. But Jesus does. That's our shepherd. That's the one we follow. That's the one who protects us. What a remarkable thing about our faith. How peculiar 
that that's the shepherd we worship, the shepherd we look to, the one in whom we give our trust, the one to whom we pledge our faith. A divine shepherd who sacrifices his life for the sake of the flock has some pretty far-reaching implications. Think about it. Think about the ways that who we are is a reflection of that shepherd. Think about how we talk about the God who loves us. Think about the ways in which we describe the community of faith. Think about all the ways that a shepherd who would sacrifice his life, who cares more about the lives of the flock within his own life, think about the ways that that is who we are. Those of us who belong to that shepherd are changed, are shaped by that example. The longer we spend under the watchful eye of the kind of shepherd who would sacrifice his life for our sake, the more fully that example of love begins to take hold in our hearts in a way we would hope it might take hold in the hearts of our children. You might have noticed this weekend or maybe a little before that that New York Times quiz about your dialect is making the rounds on social media again. If, you've, if you haven't seen it, it's easy to find New York Times dialect quiz. You can Google it and you'll find it. It was actually published in December of 2013, but every few years it makes its way back around again, and it's always fun to take it. I took it again this weekend. It asks questions like, what do you call that strip of grass in the middle of the street? And it's got like 12 options. I call it a median, but apparently there are people who call it a burn, whoever they are. But the point is that after you answer the 25 questions, it predicts where you live. I took it, and it didn't surprise me at all that the southeastern quadrant of the United States is where they think I'm from. It's where I am from. Y'all hear me say y'all a lot, right? But, but what did catch my eye is that the cities where they presume that I'm from have begun to shift to the west. It used to be Columbus, Georgia, and Jackson, Mississippi. But now it's Little Rock and Amarillo. Isn't it funny how living somewhere, how being a part of a community, even for just three years, begins to shape how we talk and how we live and who we are? Isn't that what happens to us when we belong to the good shepherd? Isn't that what it means to, to be cared for by the one who cares for us sacrificially? In the first letter that bears his name, John writes about that very thing. And he writes not only about what we believe, but why what we believe should make a difference in our life. We know love by this, he writes, that he laid down his life for us. That sounds familiar, but then John goes on to say he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our life for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone, he asks, who has the world's goods and sees a sibling in need and yet refuses to help? How? It doesn't. When God's love abides in us, it shapes us 
it takes over us. It helps us begin to love others just like that, not in word or speech, as John writes, but in truth and action. Isn't that what we want our children to know? Isn't that what we hope they will learn? How different our faith would be if we followed the kind of shepherd who stood up to our enemies and beat them in front of our eyes. How, how different this community would be if we followed a shepherd who instead of a shepherd's crook carried a sword. But we belong to the good shepherd. We belong to the one who loves us enough to lay down his life for our sake. It's the most important thing we could teach our children because it's the most important thing we could proclaim as Christians. Jesus is the good shepherd. He knows us and loves us and lays down his life for our sake. It's as simple as that. And yet, it's only the beginning. Our lives as followers of that shepherd are a lifelong study, a journey deeper into that love through prayer, through community, through service. And yet, no matter how holy we will become in our lives, it all begins with hearing that truth. Jesus is the good shepherd. He loves you. You belong to him. You belong to the one who laid down his life for your sake. You belong to the one who invites you to live in that love. Thanks be to God. Amen.